Welcome to Without the Footnotes with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Holocaust in Latvia. Hi friends and welcome to season three, episode 15 of Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. It's been a couple of weeks, I took last week off because I have just been extremely busy and ultimately I was just too tired last week to record an episode, my brain did not want to go there with genocide, so we just had a little bit of a break but we're back to the regular (laughs) scheduled programming and this week we shall be going to Latvia, so I'm just going to do a short episode about the Holocaust and how it unfolded there. Just before we get into that... I do just want to touch on something that has been concerning me for a few weeks now because it's it's something that I keep seeing kind of being discussed on social media and different people are saying this and now today um, just as I was doing some research for the podcast a conservative MP has said on BBC Five Live that um, making vaccination passports like mandatory in the UK um, he compared it to Nazi Germany and I've discussed this with a couple of friends already, a couple of Jewish friends as well. And I think it's worth saying something about it because it is extremely, extremely disrespectful to compare vaccination passports to the Holocaust. When we talk about the Holocaust, we are talking about the destruction, intentional destruction of European Jews. Now, we all know the number, 6 million, but I'm hoping that from this podcast you're you're getting a more personalised look into it and understanding of what it was and how grave and serious this crime was. And for people to const- constantly or consistently be um, comparing rest- like just everyday restrictions to Nazi Germany is really taking away the seriousness of this crime. It's extremely offensive to not only survivors who are still alive, but their families and the Jewish community across the world that still today feels the effects of this genocide. And if we really break it down, the potential of having a vaccination passport mandated in the interest of public health. These are the kinds of regular rules that we have in society anyway. And probably if you ask your mum, I mean, most people in Europe, but I'm speaking specifically for the UK, we've had vaccination passports, as it were, essentially since we were babies. If you ask your mum, probably in a drawer somewhere, she's got a little medical booklet from when you were a baby, when you got your first vaccinations, that actually proves that you've been vaccinated. It allows you to go to school. It allows you to travel to certain countries. And if when it does come to travel as well, if it came to it, a country has the right to ask you if you have certain vaccinations enable for you to be able to enter. That has always existed. Just because it's happening, just because this pandemic is is such a new thing to us, we've never experienced it in our lifetime before, vaccinations aren't something that we're not used to. And I, the comparison that is being made to the intentional removal of, of persecution and removal of, 
of Jewish people from public life, such as was as it was in Nazi Germany and across Europe, um, those kinds of restrictions and being forced to show your identification papers and even being singled out and identified as a Jewish person is not the same as being asked to have proof of vaccinations. And I really would urge people that if you hear people talking like this and and you hear these kinds of comparisons, to be vocal about how you're really just... Um, I don't know what the word is, I can't think of the word, but you're just taking away from the seriousness of what the Holocaust was and you're making people like me, educators like me, who try to teach people about these kinds of crimes and these um, and genocides that happen throughout history, you're making it really difficult because now I just have to talk about how that isn't a fair comparison and why you shouldn't be doing that and what that means for the, the Jewish community when it's already difficult enough to talk about these really quite vile and disgusting topics anyway. And I think the baseline of it all, all I really want to say is it's just hugely disrespectful. The, holoca- the Holocaust is allowed to be a standalone event and Nazi Germany and all of that. You don't have to compare every single little thing or, new, or restriction or anything that happens in in 2021 or whatever to the holocaust to get your point across that you disagree with something it's not necessary anyway i think that is all that i have to say about it i would be very interested to hear how jewish people do feel about this and when you see it on the news or you see people putting up pictures or or making these kinds of comparisons how it makes you feel because I am more than happy to be a voice of why this should not be happening and how it actually affects people but with that being said anyway I if I think of anything else that I want to add to that I definitely will in in other episodes but maybe just ruminate on that a bit and and think about what we've what I've talked about on the podcast over the last like three seasons of how when you see these kinds of things, it can actually minimise the seriousness of the Holocaust. And if that is done, then the result is inevitably going to be that people in general just think that it wasn't that serious. And we all know that we are coming to a time where the people who actually experienced it and witnessed it firsthand are no longer going to be with us in, you know, less than a decade. So... We really need to be making sure that we speak up about these kinds of things and we take note of it and we really understand that we sh- we just shouldn't be doing that anymore. We shouldn't be comparing things to Nazi Germany when it just isn't that. Um, and we don't want to minimise, dilute or distort history in any way because it's going to be hard enough to teach people about something like the Holocaust when we don't have first-hand witnesses alive anymore. Anyway, with that being said, I am now going to crack on with the episode. Okay, so here we go. The Holocaust in Latvia. So in 1935... 
Approximately 94,000 Jews lived in Latvia with most of them around half, sorry, most of them, sorry, around half of them, about 40,000 living in Riga in the country's capital, where there was a very rich Jewish culture present in the city. Um, Jewish people actually made up around 5% of the country's population and were fully assimilated into social and economic life. There was a network of Hebrew and Yiddish schools and Jews would sit on city councils and things like that. So really very much integrated. Initially, the same as in Lithuania, which I spoke about last or two weeks ago, Latvia was... Latvia was occupied by the Soviet Union in June of 1940 and annexed in August of the same year. And when the Germans invaded the Soviet Union in June of 1941, Nazi Germany then occupied the country from July of that year. Now, because of this, Latvia then came under the governance of the German civilian administration that covered the Baltic states and Western Belarusia. So following the German occupation, killing started almost immediately. Anti-Jewish riots ensued with the German entry into the capital and synagogues and prayer houses were desecrated and Jews were arrested by locals and murdered. Now trigger warning here. The beginning of the Holocaust is marked in Latvia by the burning of Koral Synagogue in Riga. There is actually a memorial site there. On the 4th of July 1941, Nazis and local collaborators locked people inside of the synagogue and burnt them alive. Next, after this, so after the the occupation, um, the Nazis established ghettos in the cities of Riga, Dvinsk and Liepaja. In Riga, the ghetto was established in mid-August of 1941 and officially sealed off from the rest of the city in October. Now, in this ghetto, around 30,000 Jews were imprisoned. On November 30th and December 8th to 9th of that same year, 25,000 Jews were taken from the Riga ghetto to the Rumbula forest under the pretense that they would be resettled further east. However, what actually followed was a massacre of 25,000 people by the Einsatzgruppen who were aided by Latvian and Lithuanian auxiliaries. Alongside this, around 20,000 German and Austrian Jews were also deported in 1941 and early 1942 to the Riga ghetto, where they were given their own section of the ghetto that was separated from where the Latvian Jews were imprisoned. A transport, a transport of around a thousand were murdered at the same time as the Rumbula massacre of the Riga, Riga Jews in November and December of 41. However, most of the Jewish people coming from Germany and Austria um, were murdered in the same forest, but at a later date. Now, I'm going to read you the partial testimony of Susan Tauber, who was deported from Berlin to Riga. This testimony is taken from a transcript on the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum website and you can actually listen to her um, testimony. She was interviewed. Um, You can listen to it on the website and there's many, many other testimonies there that are available for you to listen to should you wish to. So this is her testimony and I quote, Sunday morning we all had to assemble in front of the synagogue. There were trucks there if you couldn't walk to the train station, which was Grunewald. It was... I don't know, about an hour walk. You can go on the trucks and we will take you there, but we walked and we came to the station. 
and the trucks came to the station too and we didn't see a train. What we saw were the cattle cars, what you see here in the museum. The cattle cars were opened, the doors were opened and about 80 to 90 people were pushed into each cattle car. Along the walls were benches made out of straw and the floor was covered with straw and that was our seating and laying or whatever arrangement for 90 people. No food, no water, except what we had with us, nothing at all. Two buckets on each side for our physical needs and that's it. When this car was full, it was shut from the outside, sealed and off we went. It was a very cold winter, an extremely cold winter. Naturally, you're sitting next to each other keeping warm, but it was awful. The train trip, I think it took about two days, three days, I don't remember exactly. I know we arrived in Riga on the 29th or 30th of January. Once we arrived, the doors opened up and there was the SS and the dogs and the trucks and the out, out, out. And people could hardly move. They were frozen stiff, but out, out, out. They were hitting with, I don't know what they had. Again, they assembled us in front of the train. If you can walk, it's about five kilometres to your destination. And if not, you go on the truck and we will take you there. You can leave all your belongings here and it will be taken to your destination. Well, whatever we left, whatever we left there, we never saw again. And the people who went on the trucks, we never saw again either. We marched. By that time, it was kind of dusk already and we came to a place that was surrounded by double chicken wires all around. They pushed us in a house, no light, no water, nothing. We didn't know where we were, what was happening. I mean, completely blank. So the next morning, when it got daylight, we got out. And when we went out, we saw clothes laying around, everything in ice. Everything was frozen in ice, red spots in the ice. We didn't know what happened. Later on, we found out this was the ghetto of the Latvian Jewish population who were assembled there for three months. And just the month before we arrived, they were resettled also to mass graves. 29,000 people, so. End quote. Now, considering the German occupation of Latvia only began in June of 1941, by the beginning of 1943, only 5,000 of the 94,000 Latvian Jews that lived in the country were still alive. They were mostly concentrated in the ghettos and a few labour camps within the country. And while some Jews within the Riga ghetto did organise resistance against the Nazis in the form of escaping the ghetto to join the partisans in the surrounding forests, this came at a heavy cost. When a group of resistant fighters were discovered outside the ghetto, the Germans retaliated by murdering almost all of the Jewish policemen in charge of the conduct within the ghetto. So I may not have mentioned this before, but in the ghettos across Europe, usually the the Nazis would assign... um, would assign Jewish people as policemen of the ghetto and then they would be in charge of like ensure yeah just ensuring the conduct within the ghetto and like kind of relaying between the Nazis and then the people who were imprisoned there and kind of doing the work for them doing the work for the Nazis like any rules that needed to be imposed then the Jewish policemen would then expected to make sure that that happened within the ghetto so In the summer of 1943, some ghetto inhabitants were transferred to Kaiserwald concentration camp and its subcamps. In December of 
that same year, the ghettos were destroyed and all remaining Jews were sent to the same camps. Then in the summer of 1944, the Jews that were still imprisoned in these camps were either murdered or if they remained alive after this, they were deported to Stutthof concentration camp in Germany. In a bid to destroy evidence, the Nazis forced prisoners to go to the mass graves in the Rumbula forest and burn, open them up and burn the bodies. Once this had been done, these prisoners were then themselves murdered. When the Soviets came in 1944, a mere few hundred Jews remained in the country. After the war, it's estimated that around a thousand Jews returned after having been imprisoned in various camps across Europe or having escaped to the Soviet Union during the war. All in all, there was an almost complete annihilation of the Latvian Jews during the Holocaust. And that is the Holocaust in Latvia in a nutshell. There are a lot of resources out there that if you want to dive into this a bit deeper, um, you'll be able to find more testimony and more detail about how everything unfolded there. Um, and there are obviously various memorial sites that can also be visited in Latvia. Um, so I think that's it from me for th from this week. Nothing more to add, I don't think, aside from if you do want to contact me about anything in the podcast, especially if you're seeing um, stuff to do with vaccinations and being and comparisons being made to Nazi Germany, please do contact me. I have info at withoutthefootnotes.com. Org, that's the email address or you can dm me on instagram it's just at without the footnotes and yeah that's that's it for this week um thanks for listening please rate review and subscribe um share the podcast with your friends or people that you think may be interested in it and i will catch you next time ciao <laughs>